Welcome to Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. In this podcast, we delve into the non-clinical aspects of dentistry with inspirational guests from across the profession. You will hear incredible life stories, pick up valuable business tips and be entertained. I'm Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Drevens. So it's time another one with just me and you. No guests this time. No, no, no. It's just us sitting exactly. here in our podcast room. We are. And this time, this time, uh, quite often... Um, by the time people get to Frank Turner Associates, they've kind of already worked out that they might want to work with an agent to, to sell their dental practice. But when you go to events and exhibitions and, and seminars and stuff, one of the fairly common questions is, how do I find a buyer? What buyers are out there? Who would buy my dental practice? I thought it'd be interesting just to kind of work through the, the options people have in terms of who's out there buying dental practices. Options and issues because mm. you know what is it? Do you uh, when do you do it? You, you can't do it like right move, can you? Or no. Zoopla, you can't, or whatever it is, purple bricks, or you see them sold for a pound, but anyway, um, you can't advertise it. Well, you can, I suppose, but then uh, the first thing you come across is oh, yeah, confidentiality. So, how confidential do you want to be about it? And I would, well, I think, in our experience, that's right at the top of the tree it is for the things that tends to bother people more than anything is is they're worried their patients and their team are mm. going to find out and and with good reason because mm. when you get into a process of sending your dental practice it's, it's not for today but it is quite a long-winded process it mm. can take six seven eight months mm. and the nature of of uk contract law is such that any part through that process it can fall out of bed. Mm. And, okay, not many do. It's, it's, it's a very, very small minority, but it could. Mm. Therefore, keep it confidential is really important. That's why I think, I mean, as a starter, isn't it, really? That's why I think sometimes it's a bit weird when, um, you know, we, we do see prospectuses for other agencies when they've got their name and address on it. I, mm. I do find that a bit odd in comparison to you want it to be confidential, but, okay, there's an NDA, but... We all know what NDA's enforcement can be like. I just find that a bit weird, really, yeah. that your start point is, you know, Dr. Acton of, I don't know, wherever it might be, Wilsden Green, this is my practice and I want to sell mm. it. It's like, oh, hello. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm selling. <laughs> and I think before before the finding a buyer, the start point has to be getting an evaluation. You get an independent evaluation so you know what it's worth. But but people do have choices. They, you know, they, um, they could use a, a forum, Mm-hmm. There's lots of online forums uh, where you may be able to pair yourself up up with a buyer. But yet again, you're you're sort of exposing yourself <laughs> in a mm. in a financial business way, aren't you? You know, why would you really want to to put that into an area of a you know a thousand dentists or however many mm. with the potential? Someone else is mm. gonna go. Hey, guess what? Oh, I know who that person is. Unless, of course, you've got a, a you create, I suppose, yourself as an anonymous post. Or yeah, something. and I suppose also we 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 see it and we have mechanisms to minimise this. But there are people who will just continually ask for details on a, on a practice just because they're being nosy. They're mm. just trying to find out, you know, what's their magic source. How have they got the profitability to that level? Let me look at the figures and try and understand. So I think if you move into a realm where you have no no control, um, you, you have to be quite careful mm. what information you share. But but the forums are out there, and, and that's almost become like the modern-day version of an advert in one of the magazines, yeah, isn't true. it? And I think people – I think one of the things that gets me 
and I think we have to get, ask the sellers to, to understand, and some do and some don't, is because of the confidentiality and the, the nature of what's happening, mm. it isn't like right move. You know, because in reality, if you're selling your house, you put it on right move, you don't really care who comes has a look at it or, or, or sees it online. Mm. And buyers, um, you know, put your hand up. I will put my hand up, even though it's on the podcast. Um, we always have a little nose to see what else is on for sale and yeah. all that sort of stuff because we're sort of interested. But that, that doesn't happen with dental practices, really. No. So you you need to, as as we alluded to, sort of the first point is um, find out how much it's worth. There's there's quite a lot of um, um, we've experienced this where somebody selling their practice is keen for only go to go to a select group. Mm. You know, you have you got some special people you know? What are the the kind of the upside and the downside of going to just a select group as opposed to the open market? Mm. And, and what what does the open market actually mean? I suppose that it probably depends a great deal, I think, on practice. Mm. You know, if you've got a um, a £10 million practice or a group of practices, the buyer for your £10 million group is somewhat small, mm. so it will be select. Mm. Uh, but for the average and normal dental practice, I would have thought as a seller, don't you want to maximise the value yeah. and – why would you go to a select group, especially if that select group are paying to be in that select group? Right. So they're paying to be in that select group, and part of your um, your benefit is the fact of you can get that practice before it goes to the open market. So there's no true demand and supply mechanism working there, and then they will pay the fee to buy your practice so you as a seller get it free but is it free if someone's paying there's a fee changing hands somewhere yeah yeah i remember that um netflix put a program out a few years back now called social dilemma Uh, um and it was in the context of um using social media channels and i think it was specifically about one of the one of the big social channels and it said that if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. So if you're on a social channel and you're providing your content for free and you're providing your your details and your information, effectively they're using that and they're selling that to people who want to they're sell products you. to you. But they said if you're not paying, then you're the product. So I guess that argument would apply to selling a dental practice for free as well. Yeah, because who's your client? You know, I, I, I'd say I find it strange, you know, to go for a, a select group. Mm-hmm. And okay, it's easier. For sure it's easier, isn't it? You know, instead of trying to market your practice to potentially, I don't know, let's think of Northwest London or Hertfordshire, which are probably the two most popular areas, but 2,000, 2,500 yeah. people managing the, the interest, the information exchange, all those sort of things, the viewings, the follow-up. It'd be much easier to go to a select group mm. of 20. Mm. But do you get true value? And I, I think the answer is mm. no. I think something else that, that you need to look for um, if you're looking to, to seek your own buyer is making sure they can afford it. Because oh, there's yeah, lots of things yeah. in life that we like the idea of but just aren't within our reach. Mm. Um, so if you're, you're sourcing your own buyer 
you need to make sure that the person you're talking to um, is able to demonstrate their ability to fund it, and that's not them telling you they can afford it. <laughs> it's, of course they can afford it. Yeah, it, it's fine. Yeah, it's something kind of a bit deeper than that to make sure they've been pre-qualified by a bank or a broker and they can demonstrate they have a deposit because without the money, it will go nowhere. And mm. because of that that kind of protracted timings on the process, what you don't want to do is find yourself three, four months into the process and then find there's an issue around money. Mm. You really want to kind of get that bottomed get out bottomed quite out. early on. Because you'll start spending costs, don't you? Yes, exactly. Incurring money. Exactly. So I think that the how to find a buyer, and I think one of the things is you can do it yourself. I, I always think a good story is that chap that we know who thought he'd do it himself and he put that advert. He created the email address. He created an email address, put the advert out, went into surgery, half eight, came out one o'clock, had his lunch, mailbox was full. Mm. And and basically, so many people were tire kickers. Mm. But then, uh, as I think you said to him, well, what, what information are you going to give out? Mm. Because what people want, well, they want everything, don't they, really? If you're going to be paying half a million pounds upwards to buy a dental practice, you're not going to do it in a handshake, are you? No, no. But, uh, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So it, it, it comes with complexities and also kind of grading, grading buyers. Because there'll be there'll be first time buyers, so you need to make sure that they have, you know, the right credentials and experience to buy a practice. And okay, as a as an associate, um, you know, you can talk to them about their clinical work, but have they deputised for the principal when they're on holiday? Have they been on any on any courses that that might have helped them mm. develop an understanding of the business of of dentistry? So you've got kind of got the first time buyer end of things. You might have a more experienced practice owner or own a number of practices mm-hmm. um kind of where are they at um again can they afford it can they mm-hmm. can they borrow the money and then you move into the the buyer world of the smaller groups mm. yeah the people who are acquiring practices might have eight ten twelve practices uh, again in the current climate um there needs to be some understanding about how they're going to fund it because yes, definitely. the funding situation particularly with interest rates and inflation and the increased costs that's affected the the profitability of some of those kind of mid tier groups, and then you move into the the larger end of things. So there's there's different kind of groups of buyers mm. out there, and it's also trying to understand what profile practice you have relative mm. to who your buyers will be, because the buyers universe is quite large. Mm. But actually, what you need to do is you need to trim it down to make sure you're talking to the right sort of people for your practice. If you've got Let's say it's a, a, a two-surgery practice with no room for expansion. Um, that is unlikely to appeal to corporates mm. who typically are looking for larger practices. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's no point in kind of pointing your practice in that direction if it's not of interest to that that part of the market. So, yeah, it's, there's, there's lots out there. It's just kind of quite complex to make sure that you've, mm. you've got yourself positioned so you're attractive for the right part of that mm. market. I always think it goes back to right at the beginning, really, isn't it? You know, if you if you relate your house sale, mm. which is a way less complicated matter than selling your business. You know, selling your business, you've got to find the right person who will look after the team, can do the right dentistry, you know, all those sort of things. I'd be I wonder how many people have ever sold a house to someone who's knocked on their door and done it themselves without anything assisting them mm. and i bet you 
is a really, really small, if non-existent number. And that's your house. And yeah. and valuing a house is a darn sight easier than valuing a dental practice. And the 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 uh, machinations of the legal process in buying a house and selling a house are so much simpler yeah. than a dental practice. So you wouldn't do that. So why do you think you might... You know what you need to really think about as a as a seller what you're actually trying to achieve, and the answer is the buyers are out there. But what type of buyer do you want? Yeah, really good point to finish on. Really good. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing, and also follow us on Instagram.